I like that song we just sang. To this I hold, my hope is in Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about today. Um, We're going to be going on a quest for hope. Years ago, I visited uh, the Peoria County Jail uh, once a month to lead a Bible study. And one night I met a young man there who had lived for years in the worldly partying lifestyle until just a year before I had met him. And at that time, a year before I met him, uh, he got a job with a, a roofer who was a Christian. And this roofer shared his faith. And uh, the fellow became a Christian. And he started to grow in his faith, and he started to go to church, and he started to be changed, and he gave away a lot of his old habits, including his old drinking habits, and he stayed sober for a long time. And then one night, in search of a little hidden happiness, he gave in to the temptation to binge on some alcohol all evening into the wee hours of the morning until he fell asleep. And then in the morning, he was in a hurry to get somewhere, and so he drove into Peoria, and he was involved in a car accident. He was tested for alcohol, and he was found to be still intoxicated. He was then arrested and put in jail for drunk driving, which is where I met him just a few days later. Now, though he had left drinking for some time, He was willing to excuse himself that night. Who would it really hurt if he got drunk just one more time? And like many people, he had always excused himself for driving a little buzz the next day uh, because he always was successful at arriving where he wanted to go. He had done it many times, but there was this unfortunate accident, and now he was caught drunk driving. He regretted being drunk because he knew, even as a new believer, that he knew better than that. He regretted the embarrassment of being arrested. He regretted the accident. He regretted all of the repairs that it would take on the car and the fines that he was going to suffer. And these things were alone were enough to have a lot of significant regrets But the guilt and the shame re-intensified when he found out the old couple that he had hit both had died. What was going to be an evening of hidden sin with no consequence turned into a double manslaughter charge and with many possible years in jail. Sometimes the consequences to giving into our temptations are not that noticeable or consequential, and sometimes they are just plain tragic. I create regrets, and God can bring hope. You know, my example had extreme consequences, many hidden sins of driving buzz or other sins like getting into drugs or porn or gambling, etc., always appear to the individual as mostly harmless. Even though they are potentially dangerous, addicting, and costly, and because we want to, 
we find ways to ignore how dangerous we're living. By discounting the small consequences, the close calls, the small regrets with guilty feelings that are meant to warn us, we can set ourselves up for some painful, despairing regrets in some or unforeseen time. Scripture warns us. In Luke, it warns us, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be uh, that will not become known and come to light. And in Numbers, it says, "Behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out." There are days of reckoning. Hidden sins are not hidden before an all-seeing God. And hidden sins can still carry hidden guilt and shame that can be just as despairing as the ones that everybody knows. Deep regrets of our own making can come from things that we do or things that we fail to do. Friends, can you identify with hidden or open regrets in your life? Have you ever been in despair, even for only a little while? And then most importantly, are you there right now? Okay, now there are a few of you who are in here right now who are maybe thinking, well, this is going to be a real downer sermon uh, that doesn't apply to me at all. And that may be right right now. But before you think that that doesn't apply to you, I assure you that before any of us get out of this life, we or our loved ones will experience some measure of guilt and shame. And how are you going to help them? And even then, there's a few people listening right now who are openly handling deep regret and still others that are are doing it in hidden silence because the regret and the shame is too overwhelming to tell anyone. My friend, this morning, this sermon is for you. It is especially for you. I can create regrets, and God can bring hope. The Bible has some encouragement for those of us dealing with regrets. Now we're going to move on. We're going to look at the Psalm 150, It is on page 518 in your pew Bible. It will also be up on the wall. And if you look in the bulletin on the last page, it's also there. And you'll notice in the the bulletin and on the wall that it's going to be in regular type and then in bold type. We are going to say this together. Uh, We'll proclaim God's word together. I'll read the plain type. The congregation will read the bold type. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? I wait for the Lord. My soul waits 
And in his word, I hope. O Lord, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. Okay, this passage presents us with both a problem, I create regrets, and the solution that God can bring home. So first, let's deal with the regrets. And to get a little more nuance into the passage, I want us to consider the New Living Translation, where it says, From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer, Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O Lord, could survive? From the depths of despair, O Lord, I cry to you. The word depths communicates something like sinking into a pit of regret that you can't get out of. Utterly at a loss as to what to do, depressed, And because in the next few verses, the writer refers to these things called sins and iniquities and pleads for mercy and God's forgiveness, we can see that the deep hole that has been sunk into by the individual is not caused by others. And he is not addressing life's common hardships and its pain. Those are hard enough. He is addressing that which was caused by himself with deep regret and honesty, he is saying to himself, it's all my fault. And the consequences are more than I can bear, and there seems to be no end to them. I keep falling back into the same sin over and over again. I have no lasting victory, and that is depressing me. In the eyes of God and in others' eyes, I have missed the mark. I am sinful. I am a failure. He is filled with remorse, guilt, and shame. He has lost hope that things could ever get better. I create regrets, and God brings hope. You might know someone who has fallen into guilt, shame, and despair. And they do need our encouragement. But let's not enable them in their sin. Trying to console them by saying, oh, you're a good person, don't feel bad. Or, try, or, or, trying to, uh, or, or, or justifying their sinful behavior with excuses uh, will not relieve them of the truth that they know about their case. They have nagging inner accusations which tell them they are not right because they have done wrong or they've failed to do right. Ignoring, excuse me, encouraging them to ignore or excuse or discount their sin with, it'll be okay, don't worry about it. It's not that bad. That doesn't move them towards the Savior who can actually do something about their despair. 
We need to be wise with our compassion and encouragement. We need to take them to Jesus, which is where mercy can actually be found. I create regrets, and God brings hope. The mercy of God is what brings hope. What do we see in the psalm that can help us in dealing with regrets? I'm going to go with the first step is to admit sin is actually sin. Uh, in, in verse 2 it says, Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, oh Lord, who could survive? This person is honestly looking at their sin and admits it and how wrong and devastating it is. He is guilty of ignoring God and doing life his own way and the results have caused him to see that he's inadequate to handle his own life. He is not excusing himself. He is not blame-shifting. He is owning his own sin and the realization that the God who sees everything holds him accountable. And judgment is coming. The first step is being honest. Let me pause and bring a challenge to those of you who may be trying to ride the fence with whether yours is sin or not. Are are you at this point? Are you actually being honest? If you're redefining and excusing your sin as merely a mistake or a setback, or you might say, well, that wasn't really me. Or worse, well, that is just the way I am, and, and God's okay with it. Are you living in denial? You can't get to the hope of God without honesty because that is step one. Let's go on to step two. Cry out to God for mercy. When we get to this level of honesty about ourselves, we are desperate for a way out. We are ready for the mercy that God can give us. And out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? He cries out to God. I have made a mess of my life. I am in the pit of despair. Please save me. Please have mercy on me. In some ways, he cries out to God Kind of like the prodigal son who says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Have mercy on me. Third, we need to rest in God's mercy. God provides forgiveness and a path to rebuild a life. God can provide forgiveness and a path to rebuild a life a new life. But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared, the scripture says. The only verdict that ultimately counts is God's. And he has made a way for us to be at peace with him through Christ. With God, our sins can be forgiven, wiped out and cleaned. Now, while we are freed from God's judgment, we may not be free from people's judgment. And we also may not be able to avoid the earthly consequences and the 
and then any judgments from others. So we have to remind ourselves of God's forgiveness every time our consequences bring shame back to our thoughts because God has settled that shame. We also need to give God the proper fear, respect, and consideration as we make our future decisions. I create hope, excuse me, I create regrets, and God brings hope. At this point in the psalm, the psalmist has found forgiveness for his past, and so he addresses his future. The psalmist moves on into what, in, to get out of a pit of despair into what I call a quest. A quest is more than an adventure. In the movie Lord of the Rings, Frodo and Sam are on a quest to find Mount Doom and rid the world of the ring of power in order to bring a stop to evil. Keep it from winning. You know, we go on vacations and adventures and we, to enjoy ourselves, see something new, but we return much the same. A quest is a noble and many times hard mission from which we are forever changed. The psalmist longs to live, to leave the pit of despair, to put an end to evil in himself and find goodness and hope. He enters life's quest for the source of hope. His first step is now realigning his priorities. And we see here it says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. When I wait for God, God gets my attention. He is not an afterthought. He is not a Sunday habit. He is on my mind every day because I am his servant. I give my mind to knowing him. I set aside time to study his word and apply it to my life. He trains me to spot foolishness and to understand wisdom. How? Because I have put into practice the understanding that I get from his word. Let's give an example. In Jeremiah 9, it says, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Whatever we boast in is what we find important. It reveals what we prize. It preoccupies our imagination like a recording on a loop. Shame can actually do the same. It preoccupies our mind. It just reveals our failure. Even when you have moved on to waiting on the Lord and moved away from the pit and you're trying to have a new focus, those old recordings of shame can still re-enter your mind. So what are you going to do about it? There is an old parable 
that you might have heard that has been adapted for a movie. In the movie, there is a character named Eddie. He is wrestling with overwhelming discouragement, and his friend Cassie proposes a question. You've probably heard this done different ways. Cassie says, there are two wolves, and they are always fighting. One is darkness and despair. The other is light and hope. Which wolf wins? Eddie replies, whichever one you feed. If you feed into the thoughts of shame and blame, you go back to the pit, you will stay stuck in that past, and that will keep you in the pit. Or if you feed the thoughts of fear and anxiety and despair, you will be stuck in that pit. You see, there are many kinds of pits that we can get stuck in. But if you feed the thoughts about the Lord, the God of light and hope, God gets bigger and everything else gets smaller. And over time, it gets very small in comparison to the bigness that our God is. He's merciful. I'm standing on that. He's my Savior. No matter what anyone else believes, I'm okay with Him. And you should not do this repenting, I should say, alone. Pray for God to bring encouragers and counselors to come alongside to keep you accountable. My friend, will you do that? Will you realign your priorities? Will you give God whatever it takes to grow up? You see, we can create our regrets, but God can bring us hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen in the morning, more than watchmen in the morning. In the New Living Version, it says, I long for the Lord more than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. Gives a little more nuance to that part, too. I long for the Lord. My friend, as the consequences to the pit you have been in, as they work their way out, there will likely be more consequences that you hadn't even counted on. You are facing a long night of trials with hopes for a new day, like sentries hoping for the dawn. So don't abandon your post with God. Don't complicate things by going back to old ways. You are going to long for the Lord to do something miraculous to free you from many of these trials that you'll be going through. So pray and present your requests to God. Scripture says that you may not have because you do not ask. Therefore, even then, ask for God. Plead. Reason with God. It is your privilege as a Christian, as a child of God. And he might intervene. And he might not. But go ahead and pray and look for his kind mercies because they, they might be a little hidden, but you might find them. And when you pray, remember that if you only knew what God knows, if you could only see the grand picture from his perspective, you would see why he must answer your prayers as he does. Yes, no, or wait. Pray and bring your pain and your sorrow to God. But rest in God doing what is best, what is right at that time. I create regrets, but my God 
brings me hope. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. To my brokenhearted friend, wherever you are, online or here, Jesus is the cure for the regrets that you have. No matter how bad it looks, you are not beyond his redemption. When Satan accuses you with thoughts that you are worthless, you won't amount to anything, give up, do yourself in. Remember, this is the same Satan who was cheering you on and tempting you with your selfish bent into foolishness, the foolishness that got you into the pit. And now he's the accuser condemning you before God. But our God does not wish that any should perish. And that includes me and you. He has mercy on us. For with God there is steadfast love. And with him is plentiful redemption. Now our last verse, or only eight in this chapter. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. This psalm was written a thousand years before Christ came. And at that time, forgiveness for the sinner meant that there would be a sacrificial lamb. Its death was what redeemed the person. But in this verse, it says, He himself will redeem Israel. This is prophetic. The Lord himself, through Christ, came to free you from the penalty of shame of every kind of sin. He took the shame of the cross and died so that you can have the hope of heaven. And this promise is for every kind of sin, including yours and mine. Now, for anyone sitting in a pit of despair and weariness... Jesus has something to say to you. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And he also says, I came that they may have life and that abundantly. He provides mercy and a new life. My discouraged friend, Jesus wants to rebuild your life. Let's commit it to him. Jesus alone brings the hope that you need. I want you to think about that. This worship crew will be coming with a last song. He himself him only can save us stand with us as we sing you alone can rescue and just as we sing these words um, I'm so grateful how the Lord provides certain songs for certain messages and and the Lord truly did provide us when these words just uh, mean so much I, I love the story of the prodigal son has always meant so much and and the father was constantly looking waiting for that wayward child to come home and no matter where we find ourselves Christ is always looking for us to come home let's sing who alone can rescue who alone could save themselves 
their own soul could heal. Our shame was deeper than the sea. Your grace is deeper still. Let's sing that again. Who, oh Lord, could save themselves? Their own soul could heal. Our shame was deeper than the sea. Your grace is deeper still. You alone can rescue. You alone can save. You alone can lift us from the grave. You came down to find us, let us out of death. To you alone belongs the highest praise. You have regrets that have not been taken care of, 
I want you to write them down. Whatever hidden sin that is causing you shame. And you know what I mean when you think about shame in your life. You'll figure out what to write down. And then I want you to write down what you should do to move from that sin and shame into hope. The hope that Jesus can bring. And then after you do that, then commit that to the Lord. Commit that regret and then the hope that Jesus brings to the Lord. Um, I want to finish by praying. And because of the gravity of what this is, I want us to go ahead and kneel before the Lord and, and, uh, and pray. Heavenly Father, uh, inside this room or online, there are those who will listen and realize the sin and the shame of their life is overwhelming, has been holding them back, has been messing things up in their life, and they need to do something with it, Lord. Please point this out. Help them, Lord, to be honest. Help each of us, Lord, to, to find mercy in your forgiveness. Please, Lord, forgive and show us how we might move out of the pits and into your glorious arms. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.